Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Got my man Zaman back in the Cadillac, the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. I'm at the home studio right now. Joining us on the phone lines is our guy, John McClain, the general, one of our favorite guests that we have each and every week here on Unnecessary Roughness. And, John, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate you. And I see that Deshaun Watson is meeting with the NFL in Texas. What's the latest and the greatest? What are you hearing about the meetings? First of all, it came out today that from his deposition on Friday, he was ordered by the court to come to Houston from Cleveland to continue his deposition with the plaintiff's attorney, Tony Busby. And there's a story out taken from the transcript that he admitted he made the, the woman who was the first to charge him, Ashley Solis, cry, and he sent her a text apologizing, although he said he didn't know why he made her cry. And, uh, and then the NFL continues it's investigation, and when you have the league talking to the player, in this case Watson, makes you think they're through talking to everybody else. So uh, at some point, I think, Q, this is going to be closer to the start of the season, that the, uh, the, uh, the person investigating for the NFL will make a ruling, and then Watson will appeal it, and then the appeal is handled by Roger Goodell, or someone at the league appointed by Goodell, and a lot of uh, suspensions are reduced by two games, like Ben Rockles murders. So if they do eight games, it might be six, and maybe they stick to eight. But I would think they're not waiting for these civil suits to be settled or go to court. If you wait for 22 suits to go to court, they could be doing it in 2025. So... I've told you before, Q, I still can't believe the Browns didn't say, look, we're giving you $230 million guaranteed. We want you to say you will get these suits settled before we get to training camp because we don't want this distraction. And if he's suspended, he can go through camp in the preseason. But when the regular season starts, he's got to disappear. What were your thoughts on the report that he's taken the whole offense to the Bahamas to have a, a, a bonding experience and try to try to train there? Well, first of all, that's just what a weekend. Yeah. When you got two hundred thirty million guaranteed, <laughs> you can do that. Um, and um, it would be really wouldn't it be funny if Baker Mayfield showed up since he's part of the offense? You talk mm-hmm. about awkward. I described it in my shows here today as like a turn to punch ball. It just wouldn't be nobody having a use for it. And that's not going to happen, of course. Right. But Watson has all these legal issues going on. And when they go to work out like that, you know, there are probably some fields they could have gone out to Ohio. So if we think it's going to be all work and no play, give me a break. Exactly. Those guys are going to be doing a lot of playing and a lot of gambling. Yes, yes, they will. Again, we're talking with John McClain right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. How about Vince Woolfork? He's uh, being inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame. I know he spent some time there in Houston. Uh, that dude was a hell of a player. What were your thoughts on Vince Woolfork? Vince played a huge role in the Patriots winning two Super Bowls, I believe, made no three. And I think he's got a legitimate chance of being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
We just voted in Richard Seymour's former teammate. And I think Will Fork, uh, as the nose tackle, did a tremendous job there. I know when he came here, you know, he came here because he wanted some money before his career was over. He did a good job. He was good in the locker room. He was hilarious when we were uh, interviewing him. And uh, I think it's great that he's going to the Patriots Hall of Fame. And I think at some point we're going to see him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. He was, like I said, he was a hell of a player. How about Carson Wentz? We know he's in Washington with the Commanders. He's not going to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> I know he ain't. I know he ain't. But what about Carson Wentz? What do you think? Is this the is this the last hurrah? Does he have to get it done here in Washington to prove he can still play? No, I, I think it doesn't work there. Think of the, how bad quarterback is in the NFL, how some teams are so desperate. There will always be a place for a quarterback like Carson Wentz, he may end up his career as a backup. He may end this. He may be one of those guys when they get around 30, a light bulb goes off, and they figure out the game on and off the field. Now, he was with a better team last year in Indianapolis than he's with now in Washington. He couldn't help the Colts get in the playoffs. They had a big choke job at the end of last year at Jacksonville, and I'm not so sure line of commanders think he's the answer. They may not. But if you're going to be bad, you know, be bad this season. Have a shot at C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or any of these other quarterbacks who are supposed to come out making the class in 23 so much better than the class of 22. You know, Carson Wentz might be just good enough to help Washington win enough games that takes them out of position to trade up to get a quarterback if indeed they think that's what they need. You would have thought last year he'd have a huge chip on his shoulder to show Philadelphia was wrong, to show Indianapolis he was worth what they gave up, and of course worth that big contract he still got. Now I know this, they swept the Texans and they scored it was thirty one to three and thirty one to nothing and he played well in both games, but that was the Texans and when he had to at the end of the season, he spit the bit, and that's why he is no longer with the Colts. No doubt about it. That's facts. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. The schedule came out last week. The Texans come to Las Vegas week six. How's, uh, how's Houston fired up about that? What, what kind of team should we expect to see from the Texans in week six? The truth is, Texans have to play the AFC West, toughest division in football, barring an upset. And they beat the Chargers last year when the Chargers – we're trying to make the playoffs. And that was uh, the, uh, the, the victory at Tennessee was the biggest, and that was the second biggest because it came near the end of the year. The quarterback, Davis Mills, plays better. They're going to see a quarterback who played really well down the stretch. They're giving him a chance to be the starter next season. If it works out great, if it doesn't, they'll be in the market for a quarterback. They should have improved the NFL's worst running game and the worst running game at franchise history with running back and an offensive line improvement to help them run the ball. They certainly improved their secondary with cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. and uh, safety Jalen Petrie from Baylor. So, And last year's rookie class, there were five players cued. They all showed promise. Doesn't mean they'll be any good. Just means they showed promise and they have a shot. So it'll be a team that's better than last year when they went 4-13, and they also lost by three of the Patriots and by three of the Titans. So they came close hmm. to winning six, but they should be better 
although I don't think they'd win more than six games. Yeah, John, speaking of that AFC South, the Titans, the schedule's out for them as well. Do you feel like the team is just going to repeat again, maybe not get the number one seed wow. overall, but, you know, win the AFC South once again? Demond, I'll tell you this. I don't, I've said this before. I don't think the number one seed's coming out of the AFC West. I think it's too good and too balanced and teams are beat up on each other. AFC North. You know, that's a better division. If Lamar Jackson's healthy and they got their running backs back, the top three who were injured last season, you know John Harbaugh's team's going to be in the running the AFC uh, uh, North title. And then Deshaun Watson, the Browns should be a lot better depending on how many games he gets to play. It's going to be so strange seeing the Steelers pick last in their division. I can't remember the last time. So why not? The Titans getting on field advantage again. People say, well, they let A.J. Brown get away, and they did. Trading him to Philadelphia, to me, I just, I watched that guy play great. I watched him destroy the Texans. You'd think they'd get it worked out, but when you have a quarterback on his rookie contract like in Philadelphia, as opposed to Ryan Tannehill, who has, I believe, the highest cap figure in the league, uh, there's, you're just going to have to make some tough decisions. And I don't see any way Traylon Burks steps in there as a rookie and replaces A.J. Brown. Therefore, Derrick Henry's going to have to rush threaten 2,000 yards again for them to rule the division and have a shot at the uh, home field advantage in the AFC playoffs. All right, ipso facto, guys. I don't know if you heard what I heard. But it sounds like the Titans are going to repeat as the number one seed in the AFC. Q, I'll let you continue. Yeah, please do. Again, we're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. John, we were talking about the coaches in the AFC West, and we know Andy Reid, Big Red. He's number one, the number one coach. But where do you stand? Where do you kind of? How do you kind of categorize the rest of the coaches between McDaniel's and Staley, who's only had one year under his belt, and then Nathaniel Hackett, who's never been a head coach? How would you rank those coaches in the AFC West? Well, Nathaniel Hackett has got to prove himself since he's been a longtime offensive coordinator, the son of a longtime uh, coach in college in the NFL, Paul Hackett. And then you have Josh McDaniels, who bombed out in his first coaching attempt at uh, Denver. So he's got to prove himself. And then Staley didn't make the playoffs, but when you've got a great quarterback like Justin Herbert going into the third season, you have to be – a contender. I like what the Chargers have done. Right now, if I'm picking those teams, I'm picking Kansas City first, Chargers second, and uh, Denver third because of Russell Wilson and the Raiders last. Although the Raiders could finish first, second, or third. That's, it is the toughest division, top to bottom, I've seen in the NFL. Usually, you can have three really good teams, but there's a bottom feeder. There's no bottom feeder on paper. Looking at the ASC West, you guys are going to have so much fun covering that division, and the Texans will be a sacrificial lamb for those teams because they're not going to be very good. Jacksonville, they're going to feast on Jacksonville. And you know what? If Matt Ryan struggles in Indy the way he struggled the last year, last year at Atlanta, then uh, uh, they might feast on them. And the only team that maybe is can beat them would be the Titans if they run, run, run the ball, keep the offenses on the bench. You mentioned Denver, and you mentioned them at the, the number three spot, you know, because of Russell Wilson. Is that the national perspective because of Russell Wilson and what he brings to the table that automatically elevates him in the division? 
I think most people would pick the Broncos second because of Wilson, but it's not like Wilson got the uh, Seahawks in the playoffs last year, Mm -hmm. and he was hurt, and I think he missed three games, and there was some residual effects on his injury, but I think he's been rejuvenated. And you talk about a guy that feels like the guy went to heaven, even though he came from heaven, Seattle, (laughs) but they're going to be fired up there. And I can't wait. I told my wife, Carol, whenever an AFC West game is on and they're playing each other, I'm going to be glued to the TV watching it. I understand. I understand completely. I cannot wait till the season comes up so we can see all these AFC West games. Final question for you, John. Uh, there was a report about uh, coming out of Carolina that uh, Sean Payton could potentially replace Matt Rule next season, and apparently the owner, David Tepper, called Rule and said, hey, there's nothing to the story that's coming out. What do you think about that situation in Carolina? Nothing to it, because here's the deal. Do we really think that New Orleans would trade Sean Payton within the division? And do we really think Carolina, which had hardly any draft choices this year, is going to give up a lot of high picks for Peyton? Remember, John Gruden cost two ones, two twos, and eight million. So they're going to ask for the sky. Nobody knows for sure what it'll be, but there's no way the Saints are letting a great coach, a potential Hall of Fame coach, go to a division rival. Besides, Mike McCarthy could screw up their their kid to get paid to come back to Dallas. He might do Fox two years in a row, but everybody seems to think that Jerry Jones has got that on his, in his plans, and usually what Jerry Jones wants, he the NHL, the NHL playoffs are so much better than the NBA's right now. And uh, I'm tweeting, I'm, I'm, I am tweeting about a lot of stuff because I want to make sure 147,000 followers don't desert me. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Not mad at that. And that's a well-earned 147,000 followers. John, thank you so much as always. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Tune to mine. Guys, thank you very much as always. Yes, sir. There he goes, John McClain, the great John McClain right there, breaking down some NFL knowledge. And uh, you heard him. You heard him right there, and I doubled up. I followed up on the question. He said that uh, most people are giving the Broncos the nod because of Russell Wilson, even though uh, he didn't get the Seattle Seahawks to the playoffs last season, dealing with some injuries, of course. But uh, for me, Russell Wilson still hasn't been quite the dude that he was when he had that killer defense and also had a great running game in Marshawn Lynch. But I do know he's a damn good quarterback, so – it's just kind of the kind of the nature of the beast. Everyone's picking Denver to be the better team between the Broncos and the Raiders. 318 is the time. We'll come back. We'll get your calls and we'll get your text. 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's YQ. Of course, our team kept winning. Kept winning, Q, because of our training. You got to put in the work and the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at 3.30, we got my guy Steven Simcox. ESPN Central Texas used to be my running buddy there. Also... Host of the 
Locked On Horn Frog Show, representing TCU as he is a proud TCU alum. Shout out to Paloma Villacana, who's a proud TCU alum as well. So she should be checking out his show, if not being a guest on his show. That's just a little plug I got from my guy. But he's coming up at 3.30. We'll talk all things Mavs and Warriors. Right now, though, we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Want to know your thoughts on if you could change one thing about the schedule, what would it be? And also, also, how would you rank the head coaches in the AFC West? Andy Reid we know is number one, but Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett, Brandon Staley, where would you put them? Jay in Vegas hit us up and said Andy Reid won because he's always been a winner. Two, Josh McDaniels because he made the playoffs and got a win with Tim Tebow. Enough said. Nathaniel Hackett, three, because of his time with Aaron Rodgers. Four, Brandon Staley, because he can't get out of his own way with all those fourth down attempts. By the way, keep them coming, buddy. That's from Jay in Vegas. I like that. Good stuff, my man. Definitely appreciate you. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line real quick. 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I'll be brief. I can imagine you got a lot of people waiting. <laughs> Okay, for, first question, let's start with the ranking. Uh, I, I did this on a little bit of research. Okay. Uh, number one, until further notice, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Andy Reid. But number two, I'm going to go with Josh McDaniels, mostly because of a lot. They went 6-2 and two with, again, with Bill Belichick. Right. Uh, there, they called uh, him uh, Patrick Mahomes' boogeyman was Bill Belichick. A lot of them offensive calls came from Josh McDaniels. A lot of people are basing it on what he did at Denver. But he had uh, Kyle Orton <laughs> as his quarterback. Okay. And difference when you have Tom Brady. Right. Okay. And so I, that's what I think he's trying to build, what he did at New England, not what he did at Denver. So, And then three would be the, uh, I would say, the San Diego Chargers. Okay. Hackett. Okay. Uh, or not Hackett, I'm sorry. Uh, then, Staley, yeah. Yeah, and then go for with the uh, with the Denver Broncos, I mean, okay. I don't care about the uh, about the quarterback. I'm not giving him that much credit because he hasn't seen defenses like this. And his the defense he's unseen doesn't exist in the NFC West, other than San Francisco. Okay, it, it's just facts. With what he's going to see this year, he's not going to have any time to do anything. Okay, and so uh, the other one, the change I would be making. All the AFC West games would be prime time. I mean, I, I, I mean, who else would you want to see see on TV? Right. I mean, all the stars are, are here. Right. Okay. Right. And 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 last thought: how the Raiders could get to the Super Bowl would be the same way. Uh, Larry Owens beat Dan Gable. If anybody don't know who that is, Dan Gable was one of the greatest wrestlers to ever live. Only lost one match his entire career, including Olympics and everything else. But the one match he lost was because he wasn't prepared. I actually watched that. Okay, that one match is on YouTube. And the guy beat him and came out. And, and he beat him the same way. Remember the look that Derek Carr had when he beat Kansas City? Yeah. That's the exact look he had when he beat Dan Gable. Dan Gable had never lost. Had never experienced losing, and that's how you have to attack somebody. You have to have that 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 look. He went after him the entire match, didn't let him breathe. And they asked him how he won. He said he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. I could see that he had he wasn't prepared. And that's what we got to fight against this year. Okay, we got to have, we got to be uh, Owings. Okay, and this year, but anyway, little side thing. Thank All right. you. Go Raiders. 
There you go. Hey, great call, my man. I appreciate you. And I'll say this about Nathaniel Hackett. When he was uh, in Green Bay, that was in the uh, NFC North. And so they had some pretty tough defenses there. Uh, they got the Vikings. They got the Bears. You know, so they, they have some de- defenses that uh, that could slow, slow teams down. But he also was working with a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who we all know is going to go into the Hall of Fame. And, again, he wasn't calling the shots. I'm not, I'm not doubting that Hackett is a good coach as far as a good offensive mind. I just know that when the bullets are live and you're not only the offensive play caller, but you're also the CEO of the team, I think that that goes a long ways. And that's another reason why I like Josh McDaniels and what he has going on because he's been there, done that. I realize, kind of like what John McClain said, sometimes you've got to fail to be able to take that next step and, and, and be better. And I think that with him already knowing what it's like to be, be uh, you know, underneath the firing squad, I think it'll make him more comfortable in his role, and I think he learned a lot. And his play calling, we know there's no question about his play calling. He's second to none. So that's why I struggled. I really did on my podcast. I struggled when I decided who was number two. Uh, again, I I barely gave Brandon Staley the nod only because he had a better than 500 record. He had the Chargers on the on the doorstep of the playoffs in his first year as a head coach. So I had that, that had to count for something. But I think he has so much he has to prove. And if he keeps making those – those fourth down calls, those, uh, you know, those ones that everyone wants to talk about, but uh, more times than not turns out to be bad decisions, he's going to find himself not only not the second-ranked <laughs> head coach in the league, but he won't be a head coach, period. I mean, you, you start doing what the fans want you to do, you'll be one sooner rather than later. So we'll see what happens. But uh, I think McDaniels and Staley uh, right there neck and neck at number two. I have no problem with that. Coming up next, we're going to talk to my guy Steven Simcox. going to talk a little Mavs and Warriors. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Bruce Buffer, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time! Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920, here's your boy Q. 3.33 is the time. Had a lot of good guests so far on the show. Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, our sister station, and also the Las Vegas Review Journal. We had John McClain. We just heard from him from the Houston Chronicle, formerly of the Houston Chronicle, newly retired, but always good to catch up with my guy, John McClain. But right now, special guest on the phone lines. Very excited about this next conversation. My guy used to be my running mate, used to be my tag team partner. We were like uh, Steph and Clay, but, well, I'm not light-skinned, and he's a white dude, but it's cool. <laughs> My guy, Steven Simcox. We were at ESPN Central Texas together. He is the host of Locked on Horn Frogs. Does a fantastic job each and every day. Steven, welcome to the show. How you been, man? Good. Good to hear from you, man. I love like listening to the commercials in the break and just thinking, man, he was in Vegas on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship station for his favorite team. I know you're, you're covering the team, so. I'll be more professional than that. But I know you're a huge Raiders fan. And I'm just happy for you, man. And thanks for having me on the radio show today. Yeah, no doubt, man, and it is. It's been a dream come true, and you know what the grind was like back in Central Texas. You were definitely a big, major part of it. So uh, it's always been uh, it's always been a dream to get back to the West Coast in Las Vegas, and so here I am. So, yeah, man, it's been fun, but it's great to catch up with you as well and, and hear your voice. I know you and the family are doing really well. But, man, we got to talk some NBA, brother. You are a big Mavs fan. You are a big Luka fan, and you know that I'm a Dubs fan. And so uh, they're going to square off starting tomorrow, Western Conference Finals. I got to start with this. I got to start at the top. There was a time that nobody wanted Jason Kidd as the head coach of the Mavericks, and now everyone's <laughs> feeling pretty good about where they are. What are your thoughts on the job Jay Kidd has done? He's been great. I was wrong about Jason Kidd. And 
I mean, you know, obviously he had some strategies, different styles for Milwaukee. He sort of got accused of not being able to use Giannis correctly. I think part of that too is Giannis is just so young and, and raw as an NBA player at the moment. Um, but it, he really put in the works as an assistant coach, and he came to Dallas Q, and like the first couple of months were kind of rocky. He was really preaching defense. They even said, and I don't know if this is completely true, but the rumor was, or what they were saying, was that they were only practicing defense for like the first month of the season. Because Dallas, you know, before he got there, had really struggled to get stopped, and that was ultimately what kept them out of, uh, you know, getting past the first round of the playoffs the last few years. He was a great player like Luka Doncic, but it's come together. I mean, they, they made the Chris Atzorzingis trade, and I felt like that was them just sort of waving the white flag on, on that era that didn't work. KP and Luka never really meshed like they thought because KP was injured so much. But um, they turned this thing around, and I, I think it's really amazing just like how mentally tough they've been as of late. I mean, going on the road to Game 7, and of course, that game didn't play out like I thought it would at all, and, and I feel like most people didn't expect it to be a blowout, but um, they got it done. They won that game. You know, they got past that, that first-round barrier that had held them back for so long. And uh, he just seems to be pushing all the right buttons. You know, he's trusted this kind of small ball lineup that's gotten them to this point. And he's been fantastic. So uh, I, I think, you know, Rick Carlisle was in Dallas for so long. and He was such an institution. He was the guy that got them a title. And sometimes you need a fresh voice. You know, you think back at, like, what the Warriors have done after Mark Jackson moved on and then Steve Kerr came in. Mark Jackson's a really good coach. I'm shocked he still hasn't gotten another chance. But we know Steve Curry took that team to heights that um, Mark Jackson couldn't. And maybe it's the same situation for Jason Kidd, just getting a fresh voice, a fresh face in there. Somebody who can relate to these players better and has helped them out. But it's working with playoff run, and uh, Mark Cuban definitely made the right choice bringing him in as a head coach. Yeah, no, he really has. And, and from a distance, I've really enjoyed watching what they've been doing, obviously. And that dismantling of Phoenix, man, I, I'm not going to lie. I never saw that coming. I, I thought that they could win the game, but not like that, not in the fashion that they did. Luka, to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Luka has taken his game from where it was to a whole nother level. And you mentioned defense. I feel like a lot of it has to do with defense and, and what he's actually attempting to do defensively. He's not a, he's not a lockdown guy, not, not ever going to be that guy. But it seems like he's at least attempting something than defensively. He is. I mean, he's never going to be the guy that you put on, you know, the best player on the other team in a big situation. But, yeah, the Suns sort of came at him, and uh, they were really hunting him in those pick-and-roll situations early in the series. And Jason Kidd kind of called him out. I mean, he didn't do it in a really harsh way, but he was like, Luke has got to be better. Like, he has to focus more on that side of the ball. And he bought in and did that. Um, and I think that energy carried over to the other side. And I also just feel like, and I don't I don't know exactly why he gets challenged so much. I mean, Luke is a trash talker. Uh, like, I think it doesn't take long to see that. He kind of whines the officials from time to time. But, yes. man, Devin Booker really put him in, in his crosshairs, and that seemed to get him going, too. But, yeah, I was shocked at how Phoenix came out so flat in Game 7. Um, I was, like, after Game 6, I will say I felt pretty confident because in the post game, the Suns almost just sounded like, it didn't really matter that they just blew an opportunity to close Dallas out. They just thought, oh, we'll go back home and get it done. Uh, and, and Dallas took advantage in a big way. But, yeah, he is, uh, he's turned it up, and I think he's gone from a guy who, uh, you know, okay, he's one of the superstars in the league, to if he can complete a run like this, then he's got to be up there as one of the best players. But um, he's so tough and so unguardable, and it's surprising because he's not, I mean, he's not the fastest guy, he's not the most athletic guy. Uh, but he just kind of plays his own pace and finds ways to score, and he did it again against Phoenix. 
Yeah, he really did. You know, and here they are. They're in the Western Conference Finals squaring up against the, 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 the Warriors. And, of course, that's going to get started uh, tomorrow at, uh, at Golden State. So, I mean, what's your gut feeling, man? How are you feeling about the Mavs? How are you feeling about this matchup? Uh, you know, I, I know the question for the Warriors is who slows down Luka, but uh, how do they get stops defensively when you have Clay, you have Steph, you have Poole if he's firing, you know, Wiggins to a certain mm-hmm. extent. But there's a lot of firepower in Golden State. What, what is your gut feeling on this one? Yeah, I don't say there's a ton of options, and it, it's been so cool to watch them kind of reinvent themselves after the KD era. I mean, I feel I feel pretty good as a Mavs fan, just the way they're playing right now. I think they're not going to come in intimidated by any means. Right. Uh, but Golden State definitely presents some matchup problems. Uh, you know, Dallas has gone small the last few weeks, and that's worked against Utah and Phoenix. Of course, Rudy Gobert, they were able to kind of get him out from the rim, and um, he really wasn't able to play on the floor when they went to that five-out lineup, and DeAndre Ayton was uh, really productive the first couple games of that series, and he sort of disappeared. But the Warriors like to go small, too, you know, and Draymond playing that five role um, is really a completely different, you know, team to attack. Jordan Poole, who you mentioned, has been fantastic lately, um, and they've sort of unlocked something with him as well. So, you know, I think it's going to really come down to these, these role players, and, of course, the Warriors role players have a ton of experience. Uh, and, I, I mean, I'm calling Clay Thompson a role player. That's kind of disrespectful. He's a great, great um, <laughs> asset as well, um, even if he's a little aged and coming off some injuries. But it, it's going to be a tough team to stop. I think Dallas, though, the way they're playing right now, the way they're playing defense, they can hang with Golden State. Um, and, of course, Luka is going to get his points. I really feel like the bigger question is, you know, can guys like um, Reggie Bullock, can guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson continue to thrive? And I know yeah. Golden State will make a point to try to shut those guys down. Uh, but that's been a huge part of, of getting uh, past the first round and then defeating Phoenix is just the players around Luka have really stepped up in a way that they had in the first couple of years of his career. Talking right now with Steven Simcox, talking all things Mavs and Warriors as that series gets underway tomorrow. And Brunson's been a guy, man. He's been a guy that was fun. Even when Luka was out, he was still out there performing. Uh, how surprised are you that he's playing at the level he's playing? And the, uh, the Mavs had an opportunity to sign him to a long-term deal and didn't get it done. That might have been an opportunity that they got that they missed. Yeah, it's going to be a big competition this summer. I know the Knicks, uh, there's some rumors that they want to try to lock up Jalen Brunson. So there's going to be some some suitors for sure. Um, yeah, I've been surprised at how he's become such a great scorer. You know, I was excited about that pick when they made it in the draft. And, uh, I mean, we talked about the NBA draft before, too. It's, it's so strange. It's almost like yeah. being a three- or four-year college guy is, is a knock, right? Like, if you're 21, 22, they sort of look at it like, well, he's he's fully developed as a player. But Jalen Brunson was a, a great, great player at Villanova. Um, obviously, you know, won a title, did some amazing things there, and, He's carried that over to the NBA, and he's become somebody who can create his own shot and be a primary ball handler uh, and take some pressure off Luka in that way. But, yeah, it, it feels like he's definitely one of those guys that benefited from kind of the way this roster was reworked after the Porzingis trade because he got some more opportunities and he's taking advantage of it. Um, and you're right. The, they might look back and say, man, we really should have found a way to get a deal done before he hit free agency because – if you're hot in the playoff run, then that's, that's certainly a way to cash in. and um, they, They'll have to make him a priority if they want to keep him around. 
Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting, obviously, for the offseason. That's not something that the Mavs have to worry about right now. He's under contract. He's going to be playing, and they're in the Western Conference Finals. You know, playing at the AAC, man, it's, it's been shown and been proven to be a tough place to play for these opposing teams, man. What is the, what is the difference maker about the AAC that the Warriors are going to have to uh, struggle with when they go in there, when they're on the road? Well, I mean, like anywhere, you know, that crowd noise is going to get going. Obviously, the, the fans in Dallas are super excited and revved up, and I imagine Western Conference final situation is going to be even louder than normal. But, um, you know, they, the guys just play more comfortable at home. I think you see some of those, uh, you know, I mentioned some of the real players earlier, but like Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock, uh, Maxi Kleber, they seem to shoot better on their home floor. So that's something Golden State will have to factor in. But, um, you know, I think Dallas will have some advantages at home. I really don't expect a team like Golden State to, you know, cower or anything in the face of, of a Dallas crowd just because they've been through so many battles. But, yeah, you got to protect the home court. And, uh, you know, they fell behind 2 nothing against Phoenix, and they were able to get that series evened up 2-2, and um, it, it didn't really come back to bite them. But I have to think if, if Golden State has a chance to put them away after getting an early, you know, an early lead, then they'll certainly try to take advantage of that. So critical to try to steal one of these games at Oracle, which I know is, is hard to do because that's a place that, uh, that loves Warriors basketball and that's going to get excited for um, a team that has gotten back to a place that they uh, got so used to being at, you know, those, those few years they were in the finals every single year. Right, exactly. And the one good thing is, I mean, Oracle was, was in Oakland. Now it's in the Chase Center. Now you're going to be playing in the fancy oh, yeah, spot, yeah. remember? <laughs> they're going to be they're going to be playing in the fancy spot in San Francisco where it's not quite – you might not see a possum running through the uh, the rafters or you might not see uh, some, some fetal rats or whatever running or cats or whatever the case may be. There's all kind of animals running around the Coliseum right now. But, uh, Steven, what's the gut feeling, man? I mean, seven-game series, what do you think? How do you think this one shakes out? Well, I mean, I know Warriors fans will disagree with me. I'm going to take the Mavs in six. I just think they're playing at such a high level. I think it's going to be a real back-and-forth series, though. And I would say Mavs in seven, but I don't see them going, even with the wine and cheese crowd there at the Chase Center, I don't think they can take a, a game seven on the road against this Warriors team. But I feel like they get it done. And, you know, as much as it's about Luka, I think it's also just about the dudes around him and, and Jason Kidd that's been sort of a huge X factor for them this season. So we'll see how... I feel like I've doubted them this whole playoff run, so I'm right. going to turn it around and be positive now. And maybe, maybe I'll be wrong about it, but uh, they've proven me wrong enough now this season that I'm I'm ready to to buy in. So I think Dallas gets it done and moves on to the NBA Finals. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I've doubted them throughout the course of the playoffs as well. Uh, I have no problem saying that. I think the Warriors are going to get it done in six, but, I mean, you know I'm going to say that anyway because I'm a Doves fan, so I'm definitely going to ride with them. But, man, this is going to be one hell of a series. I really do think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Uh, there's going to be a lot of chess matches going on between Kerr and Kidd. Uh, I just think it's fantastic, man. It's, it's, it's made for television. And so uh, the last time the Mavs won a, a series or a, a, a title, it almost was – it felt like a kind of year that they're having now where you didn't really expect them to be that team that all of a sudden suddenly like the whole country was going for them when they were going up against Miami. Everyone mm -hmm. outside of Miami wanted them to win. Do you kind of get that same vibe from Dallas this year? Because I'm not going to lie, I do. Yeah, there's some similarities for sure. Um, I mean, you know, that 2011 team, it was interesting because they didn't really close the season well, but then they sort of flipped the switch in the playoffs. This group started the season poorly and then turned things around as the year went on, but you know, Dirk Nowitzki was the leader of that team, and obviously, like, Luka Doncic is the leader of this team. And there's a lot of guys on this group that you wouldn't expect to step up to have. So I, I get that vibe as well. 
Um, and it's going to be really tough against Golden State. But as you said, I mean, that, that last title team, you know, they went up against a loaded Lakers team that was coming off back-to-back titles and took care of business. Uh, beat a really talented young OKC team when Durant and Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook were still there. So they were able to get over those challenges. You know, we'll see if this this um, ensemble can do it with Luka Doncic at the helm. But I think they're built in similar ways. And, uh, you know, we'll see if they can get it done like that Dirt team did. But that was a special year. And it was really fun, you know, having a, everybody outside of Miami rooting for that, for that group. And we'll see, you know, if, if some people rally behind this underdog story as well. I'll tell you, I was one of them. I was rooting so hard for the Mavs, knowing damn well I didn't have no kind of ties and allegiance to the Mavs. But, man, I just wanted Miami to lose worse than anything. And they did. And so I was really pulling for the Mavs. All right, Steven, before I let you go, uh, if the Warriors win, do you change your uh, avatar on Twitter to a Warrior symbol? Okay, yeah, I'll take that bet. I'll do that cue. I'll change it for you, okay? If, if they get it done, I'll change it. And if the Mavs get it done, then – I think you have to you have to put a picture of that great Mavs logo up for a little yeah. while on Twitter, okay? Done deal, done deal. I'll make that happen. So we'll do that live on the air. That's good stuff right there. I'll change mine to a Mavs symbol. You change yours to a Warriors symbol, and we'll have a little bit of fun with it. How about that? Sounds good, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It was good talking to you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, Stephen. Keep doing what you do, my man. Tell the family I said hello. We'll do it, Q. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother, there you go. Steven Simcox, fantastic. That's my guy right there. That's the homeboy, and uh, he's going to be rocking a Warriors uh, avatar on his uh, on his Twitter. And, look, we just do things minor, DeMond. We're not doing anything major around here. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to not trying to lose no money or nothing like that. So, uh, yeah, good stuff right there from Steven. So what do you think, DeMond? What do you think? Warriors or, or, or Mavs? Seven-game series. How are you feeling? Uh, man, I see you guys are talking about, like, rooting. I don't want to root for either of these teams, but I guess I'll give it to the Warriors. You know, if your team loses, I guess you want you want to lose to the best. So I'll give it to the Warriors. Well, just from being a basketball fan. Oh wait, never mind. Well, just from watching <laughs> basketball. Just from watching basketball. What do you think? Oh no, the Warriors. I think that they're going to overpower them because one of the things about the Mavs is they do have a good number two option. You just don't know who it's going to be on that particular night. Right. You don't know if it's going to be Brunson. You don't know if it's going to be Dinwiddie. So I do think that. That inconsistency is going to come back to haunt them. So I don't think that they're, they're going to be able to win four games in convincing fashion. Yeah, that's the thing, man. You got to beat the Doves four times, but the Mavs, they look like a really good team. I got to give them a lot of credit after knocking off the number one team in the West in the Phoenix Suns. 349 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, wrap up the show. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Hey, thanks to my guy, Steven Simcox, who joined us in the last segment. Talk all things Warriors and Mavs. Gave us a Mavs perspective. I got the dubs in six. He's got the Mavs in six. So it should be interesting. That means I'll probably go seven. <laughs> but we got a couple minutes, Raider Nation. We'll definitely uh, like to hear from you real quick as we close out the show. 702-365-9200. Got the Salmon Ash text line 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q, one thing I would change if I had the power to, our upcoming schedule would be to get a few more home primetime games. How can Las Vegas only get one primetime game in 2022? It's Las Vegas, baby. If we just win, if we – just win the games in front of us, and hopefully in contention come December, I believe to be flexed, the primetime games when it's all said and done. Winning cures everything. is from Sir Whiskey Ray, and yeah, absolutely right about that. Also got a text from Jason right here in Vegas. 
LOL, I don't care if Jermon could talk ball because we all both know that that competition went down couldn't pass the first round. LOL, just talking some trash. Jermon, you know what he's talking about, too. That was not a good show I in front of you. I do not recall. That was a bad show. I in do not part- recall. You know what's funny is after that after that beatdown, I really didn't see you ever again, man. You were like sick for like a week. I mean, that, you took that L bad, man. I better not ever play you. You might not ever come back to work. You might quit and get a job at the garbage department or something, a garbage company. You might be picking up my trash tomorrow. I don't even know what he's talking about, man. I must have must memory loss may have been one of the side effects or something. I guess so. I guess so. But, yeah, I think that that's the case right there. That must be it. 702-365-9200. Who we got up next? Who we got up? Mitch in New Jersey. Mitch, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? How's it going, Q? We got your seatbelt on, of course. Yes, everything um, is good, brother. Yeah, everything's pretty good here, too. I got some new weather. Um, I don't like these Thursday night games. Thursday games outside the country. Uh, Russell Wilson is no Luca. That takes him to the basketball. I think Luca, he's a one-man show. He's like Dan Marino to John Elway. I think he's just a probably incredible Incredible play. What do you think uh, Luke is going to take him to the finals or what? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, thank you for the call. I, I don't know. Honestly, Luca's playing at a, at a great level right now. Sometimes you're just a team of destiny. I don't, I don't want to say that because they're playing the, the Warriors. The one concern I'll have, and, and I do have, and I've been saying it for a very long time, is if the Warriors don't cut out those turnovers, man, they're not going to beat anybody. You are not going to turn the ball over 18 times a game and think you're going to win. They escaped by beating the Grizzlies with that kind of recipe. They got loose with the ball. They got a little, I want to say a little cocky and a little, hey, you know, we're going to knock these guys off, no problem, especially now that Jaw's out. And I think that the Grizzlies punched them in the mouth and said, no, not that easy, bro. So they've got to cut those turnovers down. If they can, if they don't cut, if they don't turn the ball over like they've been turning it over the last few games, they could beat anybody. But if they beat, if they turn the ball over, they're going to get smoked. And even if they were to get past the, the Mavs, if they have that turnover approach against either Boston or Miami, they're going to get smoked. And they still might because Boston, man, they're playing some real good physical ball. And Miami is, is just Miami slept got on. Some dogs. Miami's got some dogs, and they're not being talked about enough. So, yeah, I mean, look, the, the champion could easily be coming out of the East. I would not be shocked. I mean, I, I think that the Warriors have a good shot of, of winning, especially since they've been there, done that multiple times. But – Man, I'll tell you, you better cut over, cut out those turnovers or else you're in some big-time trouble. We got time for one more call tomorrow. We got one more guy lined up. What you got? Oh, no, that's all the calls we got for okay, today. Okay, perfect, perfect. There you go. Well, we'll, uh, we'll close it out with that then. So uh, appreciate everyone with the feedback today. Appreciate everyone calling, texting, whatever the case may be. Thank you so much for listening when you do. I want to shout out again to my guy, Harry Ruiz, who did a great job earlier today filling in for JT the Brick. He'll be back tomorrow. Vinny Bonsignor, he's up next, 4 to 6 p.m. I'll be out the rest of the week. I'll be out till uh, next Wednesday, and uh, we'll have a guest uh, host each and every day with Damon, and I definitely appreciate them. But uh, Raider Nation, you know, hey, thank you so much for everything. This has been a fantastic year just about. It'll actually be a year in July, but it's almost been a, a, a great year complete since I've been here at Raider Nation Radio 920. Uh, Going to get a little R&R for the next couple days, but uh, thank you because you guys make the show each and every day a lot of fun and fantastic and looking forward to 
you know, training camp coming up and get to bring you and provide you with a lot more coverage of the silver and black. So uh, there it is. There it was right there. Vinny's got a, a, a big-time show lined up for you, 4 to 6 p.m., so make sure you light up the Raider Nation listening line at 702-365-9200. Make sure you light up the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. He's going to be in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm going to be headed to Finley Cadillac to get up to pick up my car. <laughs> That's what we do before I head for vacation. DeMond, great job as always. Thank you so much. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.